You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Today we are in week number six of a series that we've been calling Truly Free and where we're talking all about freedom and the fact that God wants you to be free. And here's our theme verse where Jesus says this in John chapter eight, verse 36. So if the son sets you free, Jesus says, if I set you free, you are truly free. Now here's what I find is so interesting about this verse. If you study this this chapter in the Bible, you will see that Jesus, he's actually talking to believers. He's talking to people that have already put their faith in Jesus. Five verses earlier, in John chapter eight, verse 31, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. Now, here's what that means to you and I. Here's why this is significant. Because this shows us that you can be saved. You can be a believer You can be a follower of Jesus. You can be going to heaven and still not be free. And the truth is, it is so easy to miss this. It is so easy for us to not even be aware of this fact. It's so easy to just assume that being a Christian, saying yes to Jesus, automatically means that you're free. But let me show you how this actually plays out in John chapter 8. In verse 31, again, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And then this very famous verse that a lot of us knows in verse 32, he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But I want you to notice their response. Listen to the response of people that have made the decision to believe in Jesus. But we are descendants of Abraham. We're Israelites. We're Jewish people, they said. And we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? And if you know anything about the Old Testament, you will know that this is a completely ridiculous statement for them to say, oh, Jesus, we have never been slaves to anyone. Well, did you forget about the entire book of Exodus where you were literally, the people of God were slaves to the Egyptian people? Or did you completely forget about the book of Daniel when you were slaves in Babylon? It's, guys, it's like they couldn't see. It's like they were completely unaware of the fact that they weren't Free And now before you and I get too judgy with them, the truth is, how many of you know that it's so easy for us to do the same exact thing today in 2023? It is so easy for us to not see everything correctly. It is so easy for us to just be unaware in certain areas of our life. It's so easy for us to go through life thinking, man, I'm saved, but be completely unaware of the areas of our life where we're not free. But I want you to hear this because this is so important for you and I to get today is that you and I, we, we, can't, we cannot get free from something that we don't see. That is so important for you to understand that there are some things in life that that you could be unaware of 
And as long as you're unaware, if you don't see it, then you cannot get free from that. And today, we're gonna be talking about something that honestly can be very hard to see. In, in, in fact, maybe your, your first reaction when you hear what we're gonna talk about today is like, oh, that's not me, that's not me. Like, I, I do not struggle with that. But maybe, just maybe, I'm not saying it is, but just maybe, this could be a blind spot in your life that is drastically affecting your level of freedom. So today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, we're gonna read a lot of Bible today, okay? So if you're taking notes, I wanna talk about this subject today. Get ready, freedom from pride. Let's talk about what it looks like to have freedom from pride. Now, the dictionary.com definition of pride is a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in conduct. Now, I think it's very easy for us today to look at that definition of pride from dictionary.com and say, you know what? I don't struggle with that. That doesn't look like my life at all. And so if, if we're talking about that, then that's not what my life looks at. But here's what I've learned. I've learned that pride is one of those rare things in life that's really easy to see in other people, but really hard to see in yourself. Pride is one of those things that you need somebody who loves you enough to say, hey man, that's in your life. But when you read that, you're like, that's not my life. I think if I asked, hey, how many of you would say that looks like your life? There wouldn't be many people that said, yeah, that's me. But let me share with you what pride can actually look like in our lives. This is a list of things that I wrote down that's like, this is what pride can really look like in our lives. Let's start here. Pride doesn't need anybody. Pride's like, man, I just got this all by myself. I don't need anybody. Pride is highly judgmental. Pride views people in tears which, by the way, will always result in either you feeling inferior of people or superior to people, one of the two, as long as you view people that way. Pride is constantly comparing. Pride has a hard time celebrating others. Pride is easily threatened when others succeed. Pride is offended when not recognized. Pride thinks, I can do it better than them, Pride thinks, I am always right. I'm the smartest person in every single room that I'm in. Pride thinks, I can't trust anyone but myself. Pride thinks, maybe doesn't say out loud, but pride thinks, don't tell me what to do. Pride likes to be the center of attention. Pride looks for every single opportunity to brag. Pride feels the need to one-up everybody and everything. Pride struggles to listen. Pride often interrupts. Pride can't learn from anyone or can only learn from certain people. Pride needs to always be in charge or be in control. And let me just tell you, that one steps all on my toes. Pride needs to always have it all together or at least have the appearance of it. Pride loves to give feedback but hates to receive feedback. 
Pride cannot be corrected. Pride gets extremely defensive. And let me add one more that's not on the list. Pride gets easily offended by this list. (laughs) So if I were to say, hey, dictionary.com definition, how many of you would you say, man, I struggle with it? It's like, uh, no, I don't feel like my life looks like that. But if you take the what pride can look like, how many of you now would say, man, there may be times in our life where you deal with pride? Come on, let's show a hands and have a group therapy session. Me too, me too, me too. It's all of us. Every single one of us deal with this issue. And today, here's what I've been praying. I've been asking that the Holy Spirit opens up your eyes and helps you see not just pride in your life, but how devastating that pride can be in your life and how destructive it can be and how it can actually rob you of freedom because the Bible is very clear about the result of pride in our lives. Let me share three scriptures. Proverbs chapter 11, verse two, it says, pride, it leads to disgrace. Proverbs 29, verse 23 says, pride ends, the end of pride is humiliation. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, it says that pride leads to destruction and arrogance to downfall. So when you put all of those verses together, it's crystal clear. The Bible says in black and white that the result of pride is destruction. In other words, you need to know that pride will destroy your life, that pride will destroy your relationships, pride will destroy marriages, pride will destroy friendships, Pride will destroy your career. Pride will destroy your business. Pride will destroy your future. And ultimately, what I'm trying to get you to see is that pride will destroy your freedom. C.S. Lewis actually says this. He, He said that pride, it leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti God state of mind. C.S. Lewis is not messing around right there. He says, pride is a very, very big deal. So the big question today is like, how can we practically deal with the pride in our lives? Because let me tell you, one of my greatest joys as a pastor is not just to come and bring up a subject and say, hey guys, we need to all deal with this and then let you go. One of my my favorite things is to be able to say, hey, Here's something that I feel like God's saying as a church we need to deal with. And then I love being able to say, well, how do we practically deal with it? I like to put it this way, that I always want our Sundays to affect our Mondays. And I think it would be very easy for me to sit here and bring up this subject and make you see, man, there could be some pride in our lives. And for me to say, okay, guys, be more humble and call it a day. Let's wrap it up. Let's go to lunch. Let's make sure we get in front of the TV for all the football games today. I think it'd be easy for me to say, okay, guys, just be more humble, and then let's roll. But the question is, how? And as I prepared today, I felt like God really led me to a very practical principle that has really changed my life and has helped. The more that I've actually applied this principle to my life, it continues to push pride more and more out of my life, and it's helped me walk in freedom. But I do wanna warn you, is that when you first hear this principle, you may not believe it, you probably won't like it, and you definitely won't wanna do it. Come on, is anybody excited to hear this one today? Okay, yeah. 
So here's the principle, write this down, it's very important. Freedom is found under authority, not outside of authority. This is very countercultural, but I'm telling you, if you want to walk in freedom, it is found under authority, not outside of authority. If you wanna push the pride in your life, out of your life, consistently submit to the authorities in your life. Why? Because freedom is found under authority, not outside of authority. Now, I do wanna recognize that this word authority is a bad word for a lot of people. We live in a culture right now that is extremely anti-authority. Nope, I don't like that. I don't wanna do that. I'm against that. We live in one of the most individualistic societies in human history that's constantly screaming things like, you do you, boo-boo. <laughs> Be true to yourself. Live your truth. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. Don't let anyone tell you what to think. Don't let anyone tell you what to believe. You do you. And from the time, if you think about it, from the time that we're little kids, from the time that we go through puberty, we are all bombarded with lies and this narrative that freedom is a world outside of authority that I will only be free whenever I get outside of people that are over me. And so that the only way that you're ever going to live a life of freedom is if you're the one that's in charge and you're the one that's calling the shots. When I don't have a stinking boss telling me what to do and when to show up, then I'll be free. That when I, when I get away from my parents, then I'll be free. Like it's literally, it's part of the cultural narrative that we're all in. And so many of us maybe buy into a lie that rebellion actually leads to freedom. In fact, here's what happens. This is the cycle that we all go through is that we all want freedom, every single one of us. And by the way, let me just say this. I believe that it's put there by God. Because God, he paid for you to live a life of freedom. Every single one of you, the life that he wants for you is a life that is free. But a lot of times we buy into the lie that yes, we want freedom, so we think the key to actually achieving that freedom is rebellion. That my rebellion will actually lead to freedom. But the truth is, is that the exact opposite happens. That whenever you rebel to get freedom, your freedom actually gets taken away. And if you think about it, this is exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter one and two, God creates the world and everything inside of it. And then he creates Adam and Eve in his image. And he gave them only one rule, just one, one rule. Don't touch that one tree. And I think there, there's a common misconception that God is all about rules and regulations that God is all about this big list of do's and don'ts and that's the character and that's the nature of God, that he's all about rules. I think some people think that God's favorite word is no. And a lot of times we can have this misconception, but I want you to understand this. Just read Genesis chapter one through three. What you'll see is that in God's ideal perfect world, in a world just the way that he wanted it, in a world that before sin entered the picture, in a world that he looked at after he created everything and said, this is good. In that world, he only had one rule. That's it, just one rule. So everything was all good in God's one rule world 
until the devil showed up on the scene in Genesis chapter three. And listen to what it, listen what happened in verse one. It says, the serpent, who is the devil, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? You notice his very subtle manipulation and lies. And then Eve answered, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And then the devil said, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will actually be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So in these verses, do you see that pattern? Do you see the fact that, that the devil is trying to convince them that God was actually holding out on them? That the devil was trying to literally convince the freest people in the history of earth, the only people that have ever lived in a one rule world, he's trying to convince them that they weren't truly free and that the only way that they could experience the true freedom that they really wanted, that their soul was crying out for, was for them to rebel and to disobey God. It goes back to that lie. He was trying to convince him of this, that all oh, you want freedom, the only way to get it is that you need to rebel. Is that rebellion leads to freedom. And for some of you, this literally paints the picture of your middle school and, and high school years. <laughs> it's like, man, that's, that's, that's what he was trying to convince them. But in reality, if you think about it, they actually lost their freedom because of that rebellion. They went, if you read through the narrative of scripture, you'll see that they went from one rule, don't touch that tree, to get this, 613 rules in the Torah. They went from one to 613. The only thing that happened in between was their rebellion. And by the way, this lie, this right here, it still happens today. Let me give you a very practical, non-spiritual example, okay? There are speed limits on every single road that we drive on that were put there and set by civil authorities. I don't know who chooses that, but somebody does. You ever thought about that? Like, who, who, who decides that? You, you guys maybe know that, uh, but, but I don't know that. Um, but you think huh, those speed limits, those are stupid. Those are awful. Like those are way too low. In my opinion, those speed limits should be higher. So you say speed limit signs, you don't tell me what to do. Don't put me in a box. Don't make me go 55 when you can clearly go way faster than 55. I wanna be free. I wanna be free to drive however I want to drive. So in your attempt to be free and be prideful, uh, you rebel and you speed because you're free and you can. And so you just do, which leads to speeding tickets and enough speeding tickets. Some of you, I'm preaching right to you right now. And you, enough speeding tickets can eventually lead to you having your freedom and your license actually taken away. Why? Because freedom is not found outside of authority. Freedom is found under authority. Listen, hear me. The fastest way to lose your freedom is to rebel against the authorities God has put in your life. 
So if you're here and you're a middle school or a high school student, the fastest way to lose your freedom at home is to rebel against your parents. All the parents here are like, I love this preaching. This is so good. (laughs) This is so great. If you're a college student here, let me tell you, the fastest way to lose your freedom at school is to rebel against the teachers and the professors. I don't have to go to that class. I don't have to turn that in. They even call it academic probation. And for those of you who work and have a boss, I'm telling you, the fastest way to lose your freedom at your job or to lose your job is to rebel against your boss. Because the fastest way to lose your freedom is to rebel against the authorities God has put in your life. But listen, God offers another way. Like he offers a totally different way that's actually true, that actually brings freedom. And so a lot of you, you want freedom. And so not only do we want freedom, so the key to actual freedom is to submit to authority. It's not rebellion. It's not saying like, hey, like this is the way to do it. So I, uh, so I want freedom and so I rebel and then I, I actually don't get freedom. No, it's like, I want freedom. So I submit to authority and that's actually how you get freedom. I'm telling you, the fastest way to get more freedom is to submit to the authorities that God has put in your life. And listen, look me in the eyes. Every single one of us, all of us, we all need authority in our lives. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what stage of life you're in, where you are in the org chart of your business or your job. We all need authorities in our lives. Even if you're at the very top, I'm telling you, you need authorities in your life. Listen, Jesus himself, he even had authority in his life. We see this in John chapter five, verse 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son that I can do nothing by myself. He, he does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. John chapter 12, verse 49 and 50, Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands, they lead to good things. They lead to eternal life. So I say, whatever the father tells me to say. So if Jesus, the perfect son of God, who the Bible describes as the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the prince of peace, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, if that Jesus, if Jesus was under authority, we definitely need to be under authority. But not only do we need to be under the authority of the human authorities that God has put in our life, here is the biggest principle that I want you to get today in your spirit that will unlock freedom in your life like never before. Maximum freedom is found under God's authority. Let me say it this way, that the most freedom that you could ever experience, the fastest way to get more freedom, the the most freedom that you will ever experience is found submitting, following, trusting, and living under God's authority. And by the way, that right there, that's what it looks like to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I know that in 2023, we don't use language like that very much, but we read it in our Bibles that it says Jesus needs to be not just your savior, but your Lord. That is what it means 
for him to be the Lord of your life. This is what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. It means that he is in control of your life, not you. It means that he's in charge of your life, not you. It means that he has the final say in every single area of your life, not you. Whether you want it or not, whether you understand or not, whether you agree or not. It means that Jesus has the ultimate authority in every single area of your life, like what you do, where you go, how you speak, how you treat people, how you work, how you handle money, your marriage, your parenting, your friendships, your dating, your sexuality, your ethics, your morality, and even how you handle social media. It even goes in there. It means that you accept this invitation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, where he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, and that's what he wants, by the way, he wants you. And so if you want that, he just tells you straight up, he says, you must give up your own way and take up your cross. In other words, he's saying, you're gonna have to die to yourself and then follow me. I love the message paraphrase of that same exact scripture because he says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Come on, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus says, I, if you, that's what it looks like to be a disciple. That's what it looks like for me to be your Lord. That's what it looks like for you to live under the authority of that. And here's what I want you to see so bad today, church. Please hear me. Making this decision will not take away your freedom. It will only help you experience more freedom. Don't buy into the lie that if you do that, if you let him lead your life, if you let him drive, that all of a sudden your freedom is completely taken away because that is a lie of the enemy that he's been doing since page two of my Bible. What he's saying is that if you let me lead your life, if you let me drive your life, then you will experience more freedom than you ever have before. Why? Because God's ways are God's ways for a reason. Every single thing in this book, everything that he wants to tell you is to make your life better, not worse. See, Jesus, he comes in John 10, 10 and says, if you wanna live the best life that you could ever live, he says, it's found in me. It's better than any other thing that you can do with your life. It's better than reaching the pinnacle of your career. It's better than making a ton of money that literally you can do all those things, but they'll still be an empty part of your soul. Why? Because the best life that you could ever found is following me. So if you follow me, you will experience the best life. And when you do that, guys, Jesus says that you will experience more freedom, not less. So let me show you one last example of this in the Bible. And then I wanna share a very specific message, really a prophetic message that I believe God this week as I was preparing for this end of this message, I believe he gave me for some people that are in this room. It may only be for one or two, but I believe that God has given me a message directly to you. But I wanna show you an example of this in the Bible. Jonah chapter one, if you grew up in church, maybe you grew up in um, Sunday school or vacation Bible school, Jonah is a banger. I mean, it's one that everybody knows, Jonah and the whale. But I want you to see this pattern of what we're talking about in his life. Maybe you'll see this, this story in the Bible in a brand new way. 
because it says this in Jonah chapter one, starting in verse one. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of that guy. I don't know how to pronounce that. And, and this is the message that God gave Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and then announce my judgment against this. Now, I gotta confess, these two verses have always made me really frustrated and mad because Jonah, he got literally what we all want. Like God tells him exactly what to do and exactly where to go. Come on, don't we all want that? How many of you have ever prayed a prayer like, God, if you would just make it clear. Like if you would just tell me what to do, I'll do it. If you just tell me where to go, I'll go there. And that's exactly what Jonah experienced. But it makes me so mad because if you keep reading, you'll see in verse three, it says, but Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. In other words, Jonah's like, I don't wanna do what you want me to do. I wanna do what I wanna do. He wanted to have his freedom. He didn't wanna do what God wanted to do. He wanted to do what I wanna do. I wanna be free. Don't tell me what to do. I don't wanna do that. I wanna do what I wanna do. And so that decision, if you keep reading, you'll see that that decision led him straight into a huge storm. And it goes on to say later in John chapter one and verse 15, it says, then the sailors picked Jonah up in the boat that he was in and threw him into the raging sea and the storm is stopped at once. A verse later in verse 17, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Think of it this way. God said, you're not gonna be free anymore. He literally got put in a fish prison. You're going to have your freedom taken away. Here's what I want you to see, church. God told Jonah to do something, but he didn't wanna do it. He wanted to have his freedom. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. So he rebelled, thinking that when I rebel, I'll actually be in charge and I'll be, and I'll be free when I rebel. And so he didn't do what God told him to do. But the final result and the consequence of that choice was that he literally had his freedom taken away. And as I prepared for the end of this message, I'm telling you on Thursday, I felt like God spoke so clearly to me that some of you like Jonah are experiencing right now, not you were, but right now, you are experiencing just like Jonah, a huge storm of life right now. Or, you're experiencing a lack of freedom in your life right now because you're not doing what God told you to do. God has maybe made something very clear to you. He hasn't been vague. I know a lot of times it can be very like, I don't know, is this God, is this not? But who I'm talking to now, God has been very clear with you. It's not vague. Maybe he, he spoke to you in a one-on-one -on -one moment with him. Maybe it was in a, in a service, but he hasn't been vague. He told you to do something. He told you to start something. 
He told you to stop something. Maybe he told you to change something. But maybe you're following Jesus in every single area of your life, but that one area. I'm following Jesus with 99% of my life, but that one area, I'm sorry, I just don't wanna do it. I'm in control of that area, not you. And so you're unwilling to submit to God in that one area. And let me tell you, the root of that, if you were to like pull back all the layers, the root of that is pride. God wants you to do something, but you don't wanna do it. You want your freedom. You, like, like Jonah, you wanna be in control. You wanna be in charge. You wanna do your own thing. And by the way, God always loves you enough to give you that choice. And you know why? Because love always demands a choice. And so he always gives you a choice. He doesn't make you, he's a gentleman. He'll never force himself on you. He'll never force you to do something. But the choice is when you make choices like that, that has consequences. And now you may be experiencing a huge storm in your life, or there may be a massive lack of freedom in your life. You are living in bondage in maybe a very specific area of your life. And maybe you're even going through the narrative of like, you're blaming God for the situation that you're in because you haven't obeyed. I know that that's strong, but I feel like I gotta say what God told me to say. But I want you to hear this. If that's you, there is hope today just like Jonah, because I got to encourage you, that doesn't have to be your life. That storm of life doesn't have to last forever. That lack of freedom doesn't have to be the everyday reality that you live with week in and week out, month in and month out, year after year, decade after decade. Like, listen, you can experience freedom because if you read through the life of Jonah, what you'll see is that his life completely changed because if you keep reading, you'll see that he made a decision inside of that fish to repent. And that's a beautiful word. A lot of you think that that's a very mean word, a negative word, somebody accusing you, putting their hand out and say, repent, you dirty sinner. But that's not, it's a beautiful word. The Bible actually says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. And repentance, here's all it is. I'm changing my mind which leads to a change in my direction. It's an inside out change. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. It's saying, God, would you transform me from the inside out and change my mind about how I view that so that then I can go in a totally different direction. And so he says, God, I repent from thinking that my way is better than your way. I repent from my pride. I repent from needing to be the one that's in control and being in charge. And I literally, will you change me from the inside out? And will you change me? And the Bible says that when he does that, that he receives God's grace, that he receives a second chance to be able to do what he originally told him to do in the first place. And he gets out of that fish and he goes and he walks in obedience. And listen, you can experience the same exact thing today too. You can repent. Whatever it is, you can say, God, I'm sorry, will you change me from the inside out? I repent. And God, will you change me from the inside out of how I view that? And you can receive God's grace and that you can get today a second chance. For some of you, a third chance, a fourth chance. And some of you may be sitting there, it's like, I've needed 20 
and I've wasted all 20 of my chances. Let me tell you who God is. God is a God who will say, here's 21, and then here's 22, and here's 23. He will never give up on you. He will never stop extending his grace. He will never stop loving you. He will never stop extending forgiveness. He will never stop pursuing you and giving you chance after chance after chance. That's his character. That's his nature. That is who God is. And today, you can experience, just like he did, a second chance. Today, here's what you can do. I'm gonna lay down my pride. I'm gonna submit to God's authority and I'm gonna do whatever he's been telling me to do. And when you do, oh guys, you're gonna experience freedom. You're gonna experience freedom like you never have before. Why? Because maximum freedom is found under God's authority. He's not gonna limit you. He's not going to restrict you. He's not gonna make your life worse. He's gonna make your life better. And you will experience maximum freedom when you say, God, I'm living under your authority all in one If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.